What up, world? Pass first point guard and trailblazer reporter Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and now also on YouTube. If you're listening to my voice, go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're if you're watching on YouTube, smash the button. If you're listening in your podcast feed, go to YouTube right now, subscribe to the show. Just search Locked on Blazers. You will find us waiting there for you. We're still trying to grow our community there. Uh, and we would, uh, I would love, me personally would love if for your support. So subscribe to the show on YouTube. Today's show is brought to you by Pi- Prize Picks. is daily fan. Fantasy made easy. Go to prizepicks.com or download the app to get started today. Today's show, we got a big one for you. The Blazers have played 20 games, so we're going to kind of take stock of where they are. But first, we got to recap uh, a loss to the Golden State Warriors on Friday. The Blazers went into San Francisco and came away with their ninth straight road L. Um, not ninth straight, their ninth road L on the season. Uh, they've Their win was mixed in the middle of those. But, you know... Not a surprising loss, but 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 one that kind of suggests where they are. We'll take a look at where they are exactly after 20 games, looking back to last season, and then we'll answer a question. Does this team still need big structural changes? I think we I've kind of been leaning in that direction since July. Has 20 games of watching this team changed my opinion? Spoiler alert, absolutely not. Let's let's talk about the Warriors game though. First, with the fastest recap in the West, like we do at this time. The Blazers on Friday evening went into Chase Center in San Francisco. Lost 118-103. It was close after one. They were down 27-26. But uh, second quarter, Steph Curry had 11, and the Warriors kind of took control of the game and never really gave it back. Uh, Warriors win that quarter 31-18 and go into the half up 58-44. Your Blazers down 14 at the break, which is bad news because the Warriors are the best third-quarter team in the NBA. When they won 73 games, they would beat every team with just eight minutes in the third quarter. They would just beat the snot out of teams. This team, this Warriors team that's like, looking like the best team in the NBA, not a 70-win team, but they're 17-2. They're very, very good. Also, dominant, dominant third-quarter group. They win that third quarter, or they they, they, they win that third quarter by seven, take a uh, 91-70 lead into the fourth quarter. And But the Blazers wouldn't go away, thanks in large part to Anthony Simons uh, with um, a really nice offensive game from Ant. Uh, Blazers cut the lead to single digits four times. Three times in the first, you know, half of the third quarter or fourth quarter when they were kind of making their run. But each time the Warriors had an answer, it was an Andrew Wiggins layup off a split cut. It was an Andrew Wiggins running, banking hook in the middle of the paints over Norman Powell. And it was back-to-back Curry threes. You know, he cut the lead to eight, cut the lead to eight, cut the lead to nine. And then, you know, it's your just margin for error down 21 against a really good team um, is slim. And the Blazers couldn't push all the way back from a 20-point deficit to get there. Like I said, like you... They gave you that a little bit of hope with a couple uh, a couple flurries in the fourth quarter, but never got close. Uh, never got it into a two possession game in the fourth quarter. They were just held down by the best team in the NBA. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic led the Blazers. Excuse me, Anthony Simons led the Blazers with 19 points. Yusuf Nurkic added 17. Damon CJ 16 each, and they combined go 11 of 32 from three. Uh, not. You know, they shot okay from three th- combined, like five of 13 from deep, but like each one of them needs to kind of go five of 13 from deep for this team to be um, uh, truly competitive. Norman Powell had 15 uh, and Rocco, a-, a tough shooting night, one of seven from deep. He finished with nine points. On the other side, Steph Curry had 18 of his 32 points in the first half. Andrew Wiggins added 25. Um, no Andre Iguodala in this game, but it didn't really matter for the Warriors who just do what they do. They sent both their young guys to the D-League to get developmental minutes, and then they let the veteran squad beat up on the Blazers. They improved to 17-2 and 11-1 at home, and the Blazers dropped to 1-9 and on the road. 10-10 and overall. 
That's your fastest recap in the West. I think on its own, this loss is not particularly troubling or alarming. Uh, you know, you, you if you listen to Lockdown Blazers, you probably follow the NBA pretty closely, or at least you follow the Trailblazers relatively closely. Like, this is the best team in the league. They're, they were... <laughs> They were 16 and two um, with just one loss. And that that loss was very early, like first week of the season at home. Like they've just been rolling. Um, They're incredibly good. Like this is an awesome team on the road. The Blazers have been a bad team. Um, You know, and and none of this is super surprising, right? Like this didn't... um, on on its on the surface, you you play the best team in the NBA in their gym and lose. That's like it's not that alarming. But I think the alarming part is how it looked a little bit. Is just like the Warriors got whatever they wanted, um, and the Blazers couldn't couldn't match them. Like it's a bad matchup for Nurk just because the Warriors can play small and zip around, and they were targeting him um, a bunch in actions, just like putting him in pick and rolls and having him try to guard. And that's that's, that's a tough ask for anyone of Nurk's size, and he's. Um, he he wasn't really up to it defensively. He was getting picked on a little bit, but like they went small and Larry Nance helped a little bit, but he wasn't like, it wasn't like that was the formula. It wasn't like you put in Larry Nance and like, Oh, all of a sudden you're as good as good as this Warriors team. It was just, you know, the Blazers were slightly better, smaller. Uh, and even then like the overall trade-off might not have made much difference because uh, I don't think Nance had, um, I, I don't think this, this wasn't Nance's sort of like, best offensive game it wasn't those games where he's just like really finding the cracks and becoming a um, a real nuisance on offense he was just like a slightly better option than Nurk was um not that Nurk was bad just like a a, a bad matchup right um and you know you wanted this to be a game where the Blazers were within two possessions in the final five minutes and say oh well you know they're not as good as the Warriors but here they are with here they are, we you know, if it breaks the other way or if Dame just gets hot, you know, Dame's 5 of uh, five fifteen from the floor, 2 of 7 from deep. You know, if Dame, you can just get up more threes, but it, it is it, it is what it is. Like, it's a really good defensive team. Like, you know, if, if Dame hits f- something like half his threes and like on a hot shooting night, which is like a totally reasonable thing, or if CJ ever gets rolling, you know, they'd be there. But they weren't, they didn't get to the, within that striking point. Like, um, and, and you, you kind of know when you see it, like I said, on its face, not a particularly alarming not a particularly alarming loss. It's just taken in the larger context that it seems the fact that it's not alarming, not surprising, kind of a believable loss. I think that is where it gets a little more troubling. It's not that the Blazers weren't competitive. It's that they weren't competitive and you kind of knew they wouldn't be. Um, it's that they weren't particularly good and Amphrey Simons was their best offensive player by a lot. And then when you look at the roster, it's like, well, how do you get more Ant? It's it's hard to do. It's all, it's all of the things sort of um, piling on top of each other. It's the the specific context of the loss to the Warriors is not a red flag, but where they have progressed to at the twenty game mark of the season starts to feel um, you kind of you kind of get a sense of what this team is and what they aren't is a team that can compete with the Warriors when it, either in the regular season or if this were to get in deep into the playoffs like this is a, obviously this is the best team in the league but like this is a tier that the Blazers aren't particularly close to. Um, they're not, they're not going to get run off the floor. They lose by 15 in a game that, um, you know, was an eight point game three times in the fourth quarter. They're just, uh, they're just straight up worse. <laughs> like, like just like sort of simply you're not as good as this team. And I think, like I said, like I don't, in context of the loss, not very alarming, but the fact that, um, the fact that there's no reason to freak out about a kind of a loss to a 15 point loss to the Warriors where you just didn't, you just clearly weren't as good is the alarming part. Like the context is the alarming part. The game itself is not, um, 
is not nearly as remarkable or troubling on its face. So let's talk about where the Blazers are at in that second segment. We're going to come back and at, they're at the 20 game mark. They're 10 and 10. Um, you know, less specifics about this Warriors game. We give you your fastest recap in the West and more kind of about the context of the season as a whole and where they are compared to last season. We'll talk numbers to know and where the Blazers, if at all, have improved in the first 20 games of the Chauncey Billups era. But before, before we do that, I want to tell you all about Prize Picks, the title sponsor of this show and the best NBA DFS prop on the market, offering more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator. All the superstar players plus the guys at the end of the bench, um, they're offering any prop you can think of points, rebounds, assists, uh, the combination of all three. Here's how it works you pick two to five players and you just pick their over under projections on each entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. You're not playing against pros. You're not playing against the field. You're not conducting a team. The price pick sets the over-unders. You you pick the line and where you want to fall over or under. Um, You pick two to five players, like I said, so you can win up to 10 times per entry. Depending on how you do it, you can say, I'm feeling lucky and want all five to win. Or you can say, if I get three out of five, I'll I'll take this level of payout. They they let you customize what you're wagering. I've used price picks. I think it's a lot of fun. It's a fun way to get involved. And I've, I've, Actually, I've used the promo code NBA when I head over to their website or their app. I'm, personally, I'm using their app that I think works really well. Use the promo code NBA, you get a 100% instant match. They match your uh, first deposit dollar for dollar. Uh, they did it for me. I, I've enjoyed doing it, and I think you will too. So don't hesitate. Check out pricepicks.com. Use that promo code NBA. It's on your app store. You can and download the app or go to that website. That's PrizePicks, daily fantasy made easy. Today's show is also brought to you by DirecTV Stream. It's the service that's going to help you get your TV together. It's going to get rid of the hassle and get rid of the clutter. Listen, in the modern world, there's a lot of um, different uh, streamers and a lot of different devices, and that means a lot of remotes and a lot of logins and just a lot of things to juggle. So if you want to if you want to watch a movie, then you want to watch the game, then your kids want to watch TV, then you want to switch back to the game, you might be juggling remotes and juggling devices and, and really just um, hopping around and ha- having television viewing be too much of a hassle. But DirecTV Stream wants to get rid of all of that and help you get your TV together with live TV on and your on-demand favorites all in one spot. So get rid of that clutter, get rid of the confusion, get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right. So we talked about the Blazers' loss to the Warriors. Um, Like I said, on its face, not particularly troubling. But in the context of the season, you start to kind of, these sort of harsh realities of playing 20 NBA NBA games are starting to settle in. Like, (laughs) the Blazers are 10 and 10. They're 9-1 at home. They're 1-9 on the road. When they leave Portland, they're straight up bad. When they've been in the Moda Center, they're they're good to fine, right? Like, I think the Blazers could sit here and do nothing and finish fourth in the West. But I don't think they could, I think they could sit here and do nothing and not be in that upper echelon. Like, I think the middle of the West is kind of meh and the Blazers aren't any, any better or worse than any of those teams right in the middle from like four through 10 in the West. They're just not in that upper tier. Um, I think that was true Friday. I'm recording this on Sunday. The Blazers play the Jazz on Monday. This is Monday's show. So we'll recap the Jazz game on Tuesday. But like, I think the Jazz game will be a harsh, harsh, um, sort of reality for the Blazers. Like they're not in this upper tier of, of, of really good teams. And in fact, 
they're strikingly similar to where they were last year. If you will allow me to go back in time very briefly, we're going to look back a little bit here. Uh, in When Terry Stotts was first fired in June, uh, the there was a press conference held and, and Neil Olshay was in front of the mic and he was asked by friend of the show, Jason Quick, Neil, is your do you think your job is in jeopardy? And Neil Olshay said defiantly, the 29th rated defense and losing the first round of the playoffs was not a product of the roster. He decided to blame Terry Stotts on a question that was he could have just answered, no, I feel like all of our jobs are in jeopardy every day and I'm doing my best to make a competitive roster. We feel like we could have done better, blah, 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 blah. Very, an easy, a softball. The man was throwing a softball and he struck out and fouled it off his own ankle. Um, it's, it's kind of how it's, the press conferences have gone. But that became a, a mimetic to some extent, like a meme, um, is that a product of the roster. Last season, the Blazers were second in offense and 29th in defense. That's offensive rating and defensive rating. That's points scored per 100 possessions and points allowed per 100 possessions, courtesy of NBA.com. Um, if you're maybe an old school fan or someone who's like maybe not familiar with it, the points per possession rankings is like very, very common now. Like that's when people talk about offensive defense, they're talking about points per possession. They're talking about offensive and defensive rating. It's usually normalized to to out of 100, but it's it's points per possession and there's some math to estimate how the possessions work, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not just raw points per game and, um, and uh, points scored and points allowed, I think. Uh, we've moved beyond that as sort of a basketball intelligentsia. But the Blazers last year, second in offense, 29th in defense. So the second best offense in the league and the second worst defense in the league by some measures on historically bad defense. But I also think offenses are more obsessed with efficiency than they've ever been. So of course the defenses are going to be worse and the rules have changed, et cetera, et cetera. But like, Product of the roster, right? A a the a bottom two defense, bad, straight up bad. Well, after ten games, the Blazers are fourth in offense on the season, and they're twenty eighth in defense. Seems pretty similar, and I think that's kind of the damning thing at this point is that they seem pretty similar. The idea was that with an upgraded defensive bench, right? You add some better defenders on the bench. Larry Nance Jr., uh, Cody Zeller, you know, more Nazir Little, um, Tony Snell, who's like a capable veteran. And then and then some of your, you know, Amphrey Simons, who's not a defender, not a good defender. Like he's, he adds to your strength, right? Like you, you kind of complement the edges. You're, you were in a lead offense last year, second in the league. You're going to maintain that sort of top five level, but you've made like enough changes to the, to the defense that you can be a little bit better. And then the scheme is going to change on defense and you're going to take strides. And I don't think it was reasonable. I know some people thought maybe this would, the team would push towards the top 10. Um, those are real optimists. <laughs> they don't host this show. That's not who I am. I, I, I think I've said that, like, I think this team's ceiling is something like a below average defense, like 15 to 17, right? Like, um, I, I don't think you can look at the Norm CJ Dame trio who's going to play a ton of minutes and a ton of minutes together and say like, oh, this team can be an elite defense. I thought this team could be a below average defense. I thought this team could be okay. But where they are, they're right back bottom three in the league. They're one of the bad defensive teams. Again, it's not a product of the roster. So if last year we were throwing Terry Stotts on the bus, but under the bus, do we do it to Shaunzi Billups? No, it wasn't fair to Stotts then. It's not fair to Billups now. Players play. This is Jimmy's and Joe's versus X's and O's. You can change up the scheme. You can ask more out of guys on that end. But defense is this, there's a sort of skill and nuance to it. And some, and the Blazers lack some of that. And they also just, they have physical limitations. They don't play with plus length. Even, um, I know there's like a, 
the group of people who are really obsessed with uh, Norman Powell having long arms. And I think that's nice, but that means Norman Powell plays like he's six foot seven. And like the value of length would be actually being six foot seven and have alarms, arms like you're seven feet long, like plus length, plus length everywhere, like a real advantage, not just like competently long arms. Congratulations to Norm. Um, one of my favorite players, but like not a, he's an offensive player. That's what he is. Um, so, it's it's the roster still, you know. It was it was the roster with Stotts and it's the roster with Billups. And while I do think Billups has has made this team um, in some ways more, um, has 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 improved them in some some like real tangible ways. Last year they were um, dead last in assist percentage, one of just like a team that did not share the ball. But it's some of that was was stylistic, and some of that was was Stotts' sort of comfort level. They've moved up to fifteenth in assist percentage. They're like middle of the road. That is that's a dramatic improvement. Like from dead last to to average is a dramatic improvement. And you can see it in the way they play. The ball moves more at their best, the ball moves more. They pick it apart. Even when it's just Dame and CJ kind of pounding the rock up top, they have more actions that involve those two and, and kind of make the defense have to pick their poison between Dame or CJ with Norm floating around in the weak side. Like I think the offense has come like at least aesthetically and in terms of variety, I think Billups has done a pretty good job of improving this offense. Um, the fact that they're like fourth and not second is kind of meaningless to me because Damian Lord has missed some shots and that's not a coaching problem. But like, um, I think you could you can look at the offense and see that it's better. And the defense, in theory, was supposed to take a, a similar a similar step forward, even if it wasn't sort of tangible that you're supposed to point to and say, okay, I think they're getting better. And while I don't, I'm not like against the more more aggressive and more sort of like um, active helping scheme of the Billups versus uh, uh, Stotts era. Stotts' whole scheme was to avoid rotations um, at all costs, and Billups' uh, scheme is more to be sharper and smarter with rotations and for and you know. Act, get it you know avoid rotations a little bit but but be smart about how you rotate and how you help and and all those things like it's different schematically but players play it's, it's always been this way it's always needed more nuance it's not black and white where it co it's either the coach or the players although there are um some people who cover this team who are obsessed with making a choice and i will allow them to do so um <laughs> They've also been given a microphone in many cases, but it's just, it's never one thing or the other. It's always both. And the way that I think Stotts did poorly with a roster that was bad on defense, I think Chauncey Billups is not getting the most out of this team defensively with a roster that's going to be bad on defense. Their ceiling is something like slightly below average and they're a bottom three team. But that's kind of what they were last year. It's kind of what we should expect it when they ran back the exact same group plus Larry Nance. I mean, plus Zeller and Nance, but like still, you, you kind of knew. They're 10 and 10 this year. At the 20 game mark last year, they were 11 and 9. They were 8th in offense and 28th in defense. They feel very similar. Of course, they didn't have, they, at this point last year, they'd already lost CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic to injuries. Um, that They'd missed 20 games uh, and Norm hadn't joined the team. He didn't join the team until about the 55 game mark. Um, so it's not it's you know it's not the same roster but i think norm powell and gary trenching are relatively comparable um i think norm's a little bit better but not like so significantly better that he would tilt the scales uh maybe he tilted the scales that they're, they're eighth to second on offense like makes them better but again that's the side of the ball that he excels on um despite maybe what, you, what you've been sold so all of this is to say that they feel really similar to last season in statistically and and you know they're 
they were going to play faster and share the ball more. They've moved from 19th in pace to 16th in pace. They're playing a little bit faster. They're sharing the ball a lot more. And the offense is slightly worse, but not really, um, like, importantly or, 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 or like, in any statistically significant way worse. They're a top five offense, and they're a bottom three defense. They're exa- They're basically exactly where they were a year ago. If it's not a product of the roster, it's a product of the coaching staff. But I look at the coaching staff and don't think that it's a problem. They don't think that they're the problem necessarily. It's actually a collective group. Here we are. You play with what you have. You coach with what you have. It's always needed more nuance. And here's the place I hope to give you more nuance. The players aren't very good, and the coaching staff hasn't magically changed them because it wasn't going to. Again, I think there was a lot of people who believed it would. And I'm not saying that Billups is a bad coach. I'm just saying that the roster, the talent you have in this league, in the in the talent league of the NBA, is always going to be the most important factor. And that's what I want to talk about to close the show. Back in July, I made a decree that the Blazers needed to shake up the core. 20 games in, ain't nothing changed. I still feel that way. And I want to talk about... Uh, why I still feel that way and put it in context to close out the show. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about Built Bar, best tasting protein bar on the market. They're not playing around. Um, they're just making delicious protein bars. That's that's the trick. That's what they're doing. They got all winter long a ton of seasonal flavors. So make sure you're going to Built.com, checking out all their new products and all their new flavors. Um, Regardless of what you find or what you like, they're all going to be packed with protein, 17 to 18 grams. They're all going to be low calorie, 130 to 180 in each bar. They're all going to be low sugar, four to five grams, and just five grams of net carbs or fewer. Like it's, they pack a lot of punch and they're delicious and they're a lot of fun. So go to build.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Today's show is also brought to you by betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Whether it's basketball, where they've got odds and props on every single game, or pro and college football, both coming to, or college football coming nearing the end, but heading into bowl season, and then the NFL hitting the second half of its season, and then the playoff push, like, you're going to find action all weekend long, or all all football season long on both pro and college football. If you don't want to bet in basketball and football, it's still a great place to bet on hockey, or combat sports, or soccer here and abroad, or play your favorite Vegas casino games. That's betonline.ag. You can access it via your mobile device or your desktop and while you're there put in the promo code locked on if you're a first time user and you will get a 20 excuse me your 50 percent welcome bonus that's they'll match your half of your dollars on your first deposit when you go to betonline.ag that's betonline.ag where the games begin still a pass first point guard still mike richmond still listening to Locked On Blazers, and I almost screwed up the intro to this third segment, but I didn't. That's an incredible save. We talked, it's not that incredible. We talked about the Blazers' uh, loss to the Warriors on Friday and our fastest recap in the West to open the show. We talked about where they are, very similar to last season, very similar, because the roster hasn't changed very much. Of course, they look the same. Like, you put out the same group, you should expect relatively the same results. Changing coaching can help. It hasn't really dramatically. I think there's still reason to give Chauncey Billups another, you know, 60 games plus three plus three years. He's under contract for four four seasons. Um, to figure it out, right? Like it's I'm not I'm I'm not at all even really criticizing the job Billups has done. I think he's fine. Um maybe even gonna be really good at this. Like he's he's fine as a coach. It's just like the the roster can only do so much. You can only ask the group of the, the Jimmy's and Joe's can only do so much uh, because the X's and O's 
only change a little bit. And even if they change a little bit, even if the scheme gets better, you always have a cap on the ceiling. There's a ceiling on the roster, cap on the ceiling. I don't I think there's a roof usually up there typically. But like the, the talent is what will determine um, your sort of altitude in the league. And then there are mar- like marginal differences a coaching staff can make. I have, I have always believed that coaching is probably something like 35% of the equation um, and 65% is the talent on the roster. Uh, it's, you know, Luke Walton went 24-0 as the head coach of the 73-win Warriors. He's now out of a job after finishing 500, below 500 in three consecutive seasons with the Kings. Y'all know what it is. <laughs> Having good players makes the coaching easier. Um, it's just it's just always been true. And and I I think this Blazers two-year run is like giving us that truth. And in fact, I, I have been consistent in my belief with this. If you're a new listener, I've been singing this same song for a while. And if you're a longtime listener, you've heard me say this before. You're like, yeah, Mike, we know. Um, super eye roll into your podcast feed or on YouTube. Um but back in July, uh, I recorded a show, and the title of the show was It's Time to Blow Up the Blazers' Core. Now, I am citing myself like an annoying college professor. I will admit that. I never enjoyed when my college professors cited an earlier lecture as if, they, as if the lecture they gave us at the beginning of semester held more truth when you got to the end. I'm merely doing this to show that I thought this in July. And this was before Norman Powell resigned, before the Larry Nance trade. Um, this was this was heading into free agency. I said, "Hey, listen, it's we're here. It's it's about to happen, and I think the Blazers need to blow up their core. I think it's time to you know to trade CJ McCollum, trade Yusuf Nurkic, trade you know trade Amphrey Simons if need be. Like it's it's time to." It's time to do something different around Dame because you know what it's going to be. Like I said at the top of the show, and I want to be clear here, I think the Blazers can do nothing and finish fourth in the West. Nothing. I think they can just roll this ball out with the same crew, let Chauncey Billups kind of find his rhythm as a coach, hope it all works out, and you can. I think you can finish fourth in the West. But that speaks more to the talent in the West. Like, I don't... I think four through 10 is relatively even. I think it's a bunch of mediocre teams. I think it's some, um, you know, the the Nuggets are totally just like just getting uh, dismantled by injuries. Like they're just, they're in trouble um, just health wise. Um, You know, the Clippers are, the Clippers are a really good defensive team, but don't always have it on offense if the, if uh, their threes aren't falling. Dallas is fine, but they're still missing one more dude who can drive to the rim. Uh, like there's just, there's just sort of a bunch of teams in the Blazers range that I think are all like, you know, Memphis is probably better than I thought they would be, but they're still like not, you know, not going to challenge for third in the West or whatever. And the Lakers are kind of crappy. Um, they might figure it out or trade Russell Westbrook, et cetera, et cetera. But like, um, you know, I think there's, I don't think that there's a huge talent gap between those that sort of that group of teams and the Blazers. I think they can literally do nothing absolutely nothing and stay where they are. But as I, if you, and I want to use the sort of context of Friday's game, the Blazers were not competitive in that game, particularly, um, you know, they, they fell behind in the middle two quarters and never got back to the point where you thought like, Oh, they could win. You got back to the point where like, if everything breaks, right, there's five minutes left. Okay. Larry Nance made a layup. Okay. How many stops can they get? Oh no, here comes Steph Curry. Like it's, um, they, 
they're just a, a full step below that Warriors team. And I think they can do nothing and stay a step below and finish fourth in the West and win 44, you know, 44 to 49 games and feel pretty good about where they are. Finishing fourth in the Western Conference is a pretty good season. But if the goal is to win a championship or the goal is to be able to credibly say you can reach for a championship, nothing has changed since I pressed publish on July 6th in my mind. I still think the Blazers need a a sort of foundation foundation changing trade that's trading cj mccollum it's trading norman powell it's trading yusuf nurkic maybe not all three in conjunction but something's got to give it's it's if you can't find a a taker there it's trading anthony simons uh, because he's your best and most and brightest young part you might regret it down the line but if the blazers are going to take a swing they have to go ahead and do it they have to go ahead and take that swing i thought it in july it's november 28th here um We've, they've played 20 games. They look very similar to what they were last year. And what they were last year was a pretty good team. Like, I don't want to get it twisted. They finished with the tied for the fifth best record and, and due to tiebreakers slipped to six in the West. Like, they seem like that again. A competitive playoff team. A team that um, with the right playoff matchup, you'd say, okay, maybe they can win a playoff series. But if they play one of the top tier teams, if they finish in that, you know, bottom, that six, seven, eight range in the in the West, you know what it is. They're going home early. And without even unpacking all the implications of uh, of an early, another early playoff exit and what it might mean for Damian Lord and for the whole franchise, like, if the goal is to be competitive, if the goal is to go into the playoffs and say, we can win a title, the Blazers can't do that with this roster. We've seen it. We've seen it through 20 games, a big enough sample size to kind of suggest. We've, we saw it on Friday against the best team in the league, how far the Blazers are away. We just, we know the truth. Um... So without playing trade machine, I'm going to I'm going to issue you, dear listener, a challenge. Here's here's where we're at. Let's let's put this in context and reality of the Blazers season. I'm I like trades. I like player movement. I don't like what I don't like about trade machine. Let me be clear with this, and long time listeners will know that I'm not a trade machine person. Um, is the unrealistic trades? Hey, what do you think about Yusuf Nurkic for Miles Turner? I mean, cool. Yes, trade for a better player. No shit. But like. Why would the Pacers do that? And I hate having to unpack that on the episode. Like, why, why, why? So here's what I challenge you, dear listeners. Um, and this is to this is to listener Adam and listener Justin, some of my um, my true Picassos painting with with trade machine out there and the and the fanspo trade tools. Um, the Blazers want to get under the salary uh, uh, luxury tax, rather. So they need to shed three million dollars in salary. Can you find me a trade in the world? that makes the Blazers a better basketball team, uh, either on paper or sort of in theory, that also saves them $3 million. Because that is the quest that Neil Olshay is on between now and the February deadline, is he needs to save this team money and make them better. Can you do that? That is, if you get, if you can find me a trade that makes that saves the Blazers $3 million bucks, and also improves the roster overall. I will. Um, I'll dedicate a full segment to you and give you a, a super shout out in eight full minutes unpacking a realistic trade. You send me some trades that aren't realistic. I'm just gonna send. I'm just gonna send you back a thumbs down. Um, I am. I like th- this. Is sort of the challenge in reality, right? Is like. The Blazers need a shakeup. They need to get better. Nothing has changed since July. Like they are what they are. They're a totally decent team that can't win a championship, but. And they're also a totally decent team that is going to refuse to pay the luxury tax for a variety of financial reasons. And I'm asking you, dear listener, 
who, who, who's, you know, listening to this podcast while the Blazers are scuffling on a road trip. Uh, you like this team, you're interested in it, and you probably are interested in improving this team. So I challenge you, find me a trade where the Blazers save $3 million. They get $3 million cheaper to get below the luxury tax line and get better. You can, whatever means it gets to, but uh, whatever you got to do, but has to be has to be sort of CBA legal and realistic. If you can find me that trade, I'll uh, I'll I'll highlight you and give you a huge shout out here on the podcast. It's it ain't easy, um, and it's my resistance to trade machine is that I like I I want to operate in reality. Uh, the part of basketball I like is the basketball, so I want to operate in reality. There are your parameters. There's your reality. Make this team better. Save them some money. That's the challenge to you. It's it's inevitable that a trade has to happen because they just it's. It's not inevitable that it has to happen. It, it's they can put like I said they can push forward with this. But if they if they're serious about being competitive, they can't go into the playoffs with this group because you know what this group is. They're fine and they're a first round playoff loss. And if whatever I don't exactly know from an ownership standpoint what a successful season looks like, but I, I I'm willing to wager you, dear listener think that a successful season is more competitive looking than that. So that's why I challenge you to either come up with this trade or, you know, just keep listening because we'll we'll push forward and figure out what the Blazers need together. I will try to do my best to unpack the reality, but I wanted to issue a I wanted to issue a challenge because I know some of you are really good at this and I want to give you a chance to shine. That's going to do it for today's show. Like I said, Blazers Monday night to play the Jazz. So look for Tuesday's show. will be a recap of the Jazz game. Uh, on Tuesday evening, they play the Detroit Pistons. So Wednesday's show, we will recap uh, the Pistons game. We'll do a mailbag this week. Jason Quick will join the show. We're going to have a whole bunch of fun. There might actually be one other bonus um, guest on the podcast. Stay tuned for that one. Still trying to track that one down. But wonderful time to get on board. So tell your friends about this podcast. available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. We'll be right there waiting for you. Come back for more shows this week. Five every day, free wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.